This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 43, discussing Jessica Jones, episode 13, a.k.a. Smile. What's up, everybody? I'm here. I'm finally getting control of the mic. I killgraved them all. It is the final episode of Jessica Jones, episode 13. We'll be discussing this brutally amazing finale. But first up, welcome. I'm Chris. I'm Derek. Smile, everyone. I'm John. (laughs) We're here, people. You've given me control. I get my own intro. Yes, we have been killgraved. <laughs> no, you have e- not. Easter eggs. <laughs> tropes. <laughs> I don't say that a lot. Do I? Cliche? No. Oh, yeah. Easter eggs. You're becoming a trope. <laughs> I am becoming... I'm inceptioning myself. Yes. I'm becoming... Is this real? Is this not? Um... But anyway, right, guys, we're going to have to get into this because this is a big thing. Absolutely. The final episode after starting this on the 20th of November, I think we were probably the first podcast out there with a podcast uh, about Jessica Jones after the launch of Jessica Jones. We came out about about 11 a.m. on the morning of release of Jessica Jones back on November 20th. We are now on January 16th recording the final episode of Jessica Jones. Uh, Long, long old run here. And it's been a ride and a half. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been like, um, I don't know, Luke Cage has been somewhere there underneath. underneath (laughs) Now that is a ride and a half. It was. I'm thinking more of his motorbike. Well, there's. Oh, okay. And on that amazing note, I'm going to quickly jump in here because this is where I get control of this lovely motorbike. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we even jump in and discuss episode 13, aka Smile. I need to talk to you about something. Right. A bit of news came out mm-hmm. uh, discussing th- the thing that John loves most in this world. I am, of course, talking about Doctor Strange. <laughs> and uh-huh. how that is going to be incorporated into our next series that we will be discussing, Agent Carter Series 2. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting news, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> See, yes. this is where I wanted to get a bit like... So go with me. Uh-huh. Again, we're going to go on a, a segue before we even started. Absolutely. But let's quickly, in case you haven't read the news, uh, in Agent Carter Season 2, we are going to get introduced to the Dark Force, which is an element of the Doctor Strange comic books. Uh, this will also cross over, apparently, into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is finishing up Season 3 in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so there's this apparently, because it forms part of Doctor Strange comic books, it will also form part of the Doctor Strange movie coming out in November of 2016. We do like to mention it every episode, I think. We, um, we, we missed out, much. we missed out ep- Doctor Strange in the penultimate episode. Nope. I remember, because I was editing it, I remember, uh, there was a reference to the Winter Soldier and Stephen Strange in the last uh, episode. Okay. So John got it in there. Don't you worry. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but of course. on to your point. Sorry. So I, I, I want to hear your guys' your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Because personally, uh, this is going a bit... They're trying to connect the unconnectable in this part. Interesting. Okay. Because for all my love of Doctor Strange and the mythical lands and of Kung Lung and all that, the magic side of the MCU has not been discussed mm-hmm. at all yet. Yeah. We've had Inklings, Steel Serpent, um, Davos, Madame Gao, a little girl, a little woman destroying our Daredevil. Mm-hmm. But this is now trying to bring in... I, I don't think they should have done this. 
I think what they should have done is literally opened it up. Uh, so do very much a Winter Soldier on this. Okay. Where they set out the film and then basically tie it all in. Right. So they could have dropped a small Easter eggs, mm-hmm. but by calling it out now, I'm expecting Astral Plane. Right. Now, they've already come up and said and recanted the original program. No, no, no. It's just the Dark Force. I, I don't want that. Agent Carter is Avengers. She's Iron Man. She's Nick Fury. She's, She's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. She's Helen Commando. Exactly. Yes. What this has to do with the magical element of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it's too many intersecting lines to cross that really shouldn't at this point in a fledgling. I don't like calling it a fledgling universe, but mm-hmm. it is still. Yep. We've only, in theory, had what? Two series, mm-hmm. not including Jessica Jones, yep. uh, and a, a handful of films. Yep. Well, a, a, large, a lot of films. <laughs> two large handfuls of films. <laughs> yep. But that's my thing. It's just, I think they should have done very much The Winter Soldier. Okay. Where they basically drop it all in, and then after the, the fallout happens, where okay. magic has come to the MCU. Right. Rather than, we're going to include, we're going to give you some sparkly. Because how many people are going to watch. Sparkly, sparkles. sparkles. It's going to be like Twilight. Oh, no. oh God, don't oh, say that. Doctor Strange no, walks no, out and he no. glistens oh, in the sun. Although, worst, worst, yeah. although Melissa Rosenberg, who is the showrunner for Jessica Jones, did write all of the Twilight saga. So there you go. Yeah, and luckily she didn't use any of those things in <laughs> Jessica Jones. Exactly, John. Woo! Do you want to feel this yes. little question first? Because I have some thoughts. I am perfectly happy that it's introduced on. The TV, this idea of the dark matter. Um, I actually think I prefer it that way. I, I like the idea that it's warming people up to the idea of the magical, mystical plane, the astral plane, that, that universe. Um, I think it makes more sense to me at this moment in time in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. what with the different planets and, and the um, the obelisk and the Inhumans, that, you know, you're off-world already, and who knows, you know, they have different cultures, different uh, race, um, different planets. So, I mean, um, there's already that that difference. I think we've seen um, in Thor that element of, whilst it looks magic to... I mean, I'm not saying that this is how Doctor Strange is going to go, but, you know, I think they say that the point that... It looks magic to to you, but towards its science mm-hmm. and so on, like the different idea and the different realms coming from Asgard and so on. I, I think there's plenty of sort of you know off world, other world, uh, different realms. Not so much going deep into an astral plane or of the type that you would have in Doctor Strange, but I, I think a lot of that has been introduced already. This idea that the universe can expand away from sort of the mean streets of New York. Or, um, you know, the the upper echelons or sophistication of Tony Stark or, or whatever. So I'm pleased with that. Uh, and so I kind of like it being warmed up for, for November 2016, everyone, for, for Doctor Strange. Um, I like it being the idea that it's being warmed up the, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and potentially in uh, Agent Carter. I think at this moment in time... Agent Carter is more of a surprise to me, given the first season. Season two of Agent Carter, I don't know which way or how that is going to go. So it may make more sense uh, by by the end of the 10th episode that Dark Matter is introduced there. But um, 
I can really see it in particular for Iron Fist as well in Agents of Shield the way they go in this idea of the the Hydra slug that's getting under people's skin the idea of, of all of that and um, that it's off world you're being teleported and um, and then even again into Ant Man you have that uh, the the microverse microverse and, and so on so. I think these concepts, to a large extent, um, uh, and differences from the real world, have already been introduced quite heavily. I think this is just another one to 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 introduce. And yeah, let's warm it up for for November, um, rather than it just being a massive splash. For, which actually, for most people, it will be because unless they are actually watching Agents of Shield or Agent Carter. Um, probably won't know that, but I, I still think you're going to get some explanation of Dark Matter. And I think that you've hit the nail on the head there for me, which is, okay, us diehard Marvel fans, not even diehard, because we know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and to a lesser extent Agent Carter have um, a following, and they've got good viewership numbers. Absolutely. But that's no matter what's explained and how much is introduced in these two series... It's all going to have to be reintroduced and re-explained for the the wider audience in Doctor Strange. No, absolutely. But the film has to be a standalone as well. I don't think it will go fully from the TV through to um, to the film. I don't think there will be a, a story that you just pick up in the in, in the movie that you will have had to have seen Agent Carter and Agents of Shield to to understand. I, I I think it's more. Um, that they will introduce the concept. It may even be taken down a completely different path. It might even introduce some um, some bad guy, uh, some villain okay. of the piece with that who will get destroyed and so on, but it will just be simply introduced. And it, it, if they start linking it to Doctor Strange in there, that might mean there's a bigger link than there should be, but I, I think it's just introducing um, uh, that that world and that idea and for those who are watching agents of shield well then it will just be another reference to it once it gets to to doctor strange i reckon uh, but i mean at the end of the day that has got to fit into the mechanics of the other mcu films uh, to some degree and i'm sure we'll see that hopefully with civil war um i'm sure stephen strange is going to pop up in at the end of um, the film, maybe a post-credits scene I'm or mid-credits scene. Thanos. If Thanos comes back in, <laughs> I am going to go mental because I have seen enough of that big purple blob to, quite frankly, at the end of the... I mean, I'm sick of him now at this stage. He looks ridiculous. Um, and that's someone who can't wait to see the astral plane. I know. Um, I really... I don't get him. Okay, but Derek, to wrap this up, what's your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts is that uh, Agent Card is a perfect place to introduce these little concepts that they that I believe this dark force is going to be. It's going to be a little concept that they'll introduce in the show, much like I think I've mentioned before, the the evil villain in Agent Carter being a mind controller, a very simple mind controller. And then obviously we ha- we now have Jessica Jones having taken that to the nth degree with Kilgrave. Um, I think that's the way they're going to handle it in Agent Carter. I don't think this is going to be a central point or a central storyline. I think they may, they might even not call it dark force in the show i think the uh, showrunners were talking about it as in uh, we'll be introducing a concept kind of as john said something to get people's teeth into as an as an idea before the the movie starts but 
I will say, as Chris mentioned, we will be doing Agent Carter on this po- this very podcast starting within the next week. It is released in uh, the UK and Ireland on the 28th of January uh, on Fox TV UK. We did Agent Carter Season 1, uh, myself and John, and I think, Chris, you might be jumping in with us to the world of Agent Carter, so we'll get a lot of those questions answered. Oh, big time. And now, I watched the first series um, around the same time as you guys. I actually, I guess I said earlier in the last episode, if those of you listened, I like to binge. Mm-hmm. I am losing that ability for you, the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I am becoming Derekized. Yes. So that I can uh, podcast on this. Yeah. Yes. Always, always delighted to Derekize someone. Wow, I've got, a, I've got a phrase. <laughs> yes. Much like Joan, Jones ways. What's yours, John? I went to Manchester Hell. University. <laughs> Bad accents. There you go. Bad there accents, go. Harrison. <laughs> and of course, for all Agent Carter stuff, just as well as for um, all the stuff on Jessica Jones, Daredevil Season 2, and any of our previous podcasts, you can find us on uh, DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, where you can subscribe so that we pop into your earpieces uh, every time we release uh, a podcast. And in particular, if if you're an Agent Carter fan, uh, we will be there. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe on any other good podcast catcher, um, such as Podcast Addict, uh, Player FM, or Beyond Pod. Again, just search in any of those apps for uh, Defenders TV Podcast and subscribe and review us where, where appropriate. Absolutely. Another little call out. We do this roughly around the end of each of the shows that we cover. Just a quick call out. If you'd, if you'd like to go and review us on iTunes, it does help us in, in ratings, does help people find us. Uh, really important as we start a new show that, uh, that people who are interested in the discussions that, that are had about each of the shows that we cover, uh, really important that we, that we allow them to find us. And the best way to do that is just review us. I know that most of our listeners are actually on iTunes. So, uh, so it's, it's good for us to get couple of ratings just t- let us know what you think uh, hopefully five star ones uh, fingers crossed absolutely okay so on that note um if you're joining us for the very first time uh i well this is probably quite weird and we'll give you this <laughs> the, the basic premise and format of our show is very simple we watch the episode and we come upstairs and podcast straight away that's it. We don't binge. We don't go on. What we do is watch an episode and go forward. So we're basically in the dark. Now we are going to discuss after this. And move this, into the light. And move into the light, almost, of episode 13, a.k.a. Smile, which is the finale of the first season, maybe, before season two, of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So... To kick into this, we're going to have to ask Derek, please give me all the details. No problem. Uh, this episode, aka Smile, was written by Scott Reynolds and Melissa Rosenberg. Uh, they wrote the teleplay for the for the episode, and the script or story was written by Jamie King and Scott Reynolds. So quite a lot of writers on this particular episode. Uh, most of the series has been written by a panel of writers for Jessica Jones. Seems like they've all gotten together to kind of wrap up the series, which I think is evident. And this episode was directed by Michael Reimer. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what we got in the episode? Sure. Although I always think teleplay sounds such an old-fashioned word. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Really? Yeah. Um, it's almost like a play made for television. Yeah, but yes. Direct to your wireless. Um, here goes the Jessica Jones synopsis for episode 13. After her shot to his head, Jessica and Luke get some unexpected help at the hospital from someone else in Jessica's neighbourhood, who is intimately acquainted with gifted heroes. As she looks after an injured Luke, Jessica and Trish track down Kilgrave. However, 
unknown to both of them, Kilgrave has augmented his mind control to a powerful new threshold, and this time he is willing to use it to deadly effect against Jessica. As Jessica and Trish hunt Kilgrave to the harbour, he uses his enhanced powers to control larger crowds, and seemingly Jessica. As he exerts his powers over Jessica, he chooses to punish her by controlling Trish. Jessica appears to accept that she is under Kilgrave's command, giving him hope that she loves him. As the question remains about her immunity from his influence, out of the blue, or is that purple, Kilgrave's hopes for him and Jessica are snapped away from him. As Kilgrave's influence recedes from New York, word of Jessica's heroics permeate through the city as her phone starts to buzz with calls asking her for help. There are a lot of Jessicas there. I was almost tripping up over the old uh, the S's and the J's and the Jessicas. How do you think David Tennant felt? He called her name quite a lot during the series. <laughs> Jessica! No. <laughs> but I think... Chris, what's your first point? Okay, guys, um, with my very first point, I'm going to bring up the uh, first and probably only connection we have properly to Daredevil. Mm -hmm. The lovely Claire Temple has arrived. Yes, we knew she was coming from the beginning of the series, before the show was even filming, I think. Uh, We knew Claire Temple was coming into it. No, yeah, and we did. And that just completely shocked me that they would wait until the very last episode to give her an almost surprising amount of screen time in that absolutely yeah um for me it was just having rosara dawson was it was the epitome of a cool connection it's kind of felt strange they gave her like as, as i said there it was such a strange amount of screen time for this character you've just introduced yeah literally just introduced i feel that what we may have had is again this may have been an editing choice maybe basically they may have cut like Basically, probably ended up with say fourteen, nearly for fourteen episodes worth of content, right? And then they had to shave back to make it thirteen, and all of her scenes were healthy plot points that were needed for the finale. Mm. Her interactions with Malcolm, her uh, saving grace of Luke, mm-hmm. um, the the escape. It was fantastic. And I, I, I just couldn't... If you haven't watched Daredevil, well, please go back and watch because she's fantastic. Rosario Dawson is amazing. She's not called Night Nurse. Mm-hmm. We believe she is the character Night Nurse. Yes. Uh, but she, and I like not. the little call-out in this episode where they call out that it is 5 a.m. when she goes back to Jessica's house. So, again, she's a nurse that works at night, which I liked the little touch there. There was a lot there, and she... She brought some very powerful elements to the finale. Um, but it, again, we've talked about this. The, the, this, a thread has been brought up throughout our 13 episode coverage, mm-hmm. uh, of that one moment in every episode that makes us cringe, that makes us squirm, that makes us uh, uh, shudder in, not in anticipation. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got that moment. In spades in this part. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The large needle going through the eye into mm-hmm. the back of the cranium. I, I, wow. Yeah, yeah. I've turned away from episodes a little bit before, but still watched, still been able to watch. This is a, this is one of the most difficult looking scenes that I've seen. The, the length of the needle that's going into his eyeball 
what do you do? Like, I love the I love the touches all the way beforehand where all the other doctors are trying to use the needles on the unbreakable skin and they're bending, uh, essentially. Uh, so there is only one option. This is pretty much one of the only places you could show on a TV show. Yeah, um, that's where I was going. Where, <laughs> the other eye? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but that was a uh, that's a really tough scene to watch. Though. Yeah, I don't think they would get a cranial spinal fluid from that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, well, I, I, I can't very say. different. I, yeah, I didn't do well in biology. <laughs> um, but, but no, it was just such a gut-wrenching. And John, you wear glasses. Come on. <laughs> like, the, 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 can you imagine? No. Just, I, I, I don't even like things on the, my face. There were two my things. There were two things. Um, about this scene that really kind of got to me. And obviously the obvious one is um, the needle through the eyeball uh, to get the the spinal fluid mm-hmm. and to drain it so relieve pressure and all that kind of thing. I mean, it is just like eek, anything to do with the eyes. And again, mm-hmm. like as Derek said, I just love the fact, you know, Previously, they'd shown the needles breaking or bending, or even like the that drill that they were trying to do to drill into through to the cranium to to relieve the pressure was like burning out and blunting, and so there was definitely that like oh my god, can't believe that. But then the other aspect of it was, and actually, I quite liked it because as soon as they said that they were taking out the the spinal fluid, I've had that done uh, previously. And it's like I was sedated and all that kind of thing. But like the next day, it was just like, oh, my God, the pain in my head. I mean, it was basically lie down, take lots of painkillers and drink espresso coffee was basically the advice from from the from the doctors that to, to look after yourself. And I actually kind of like the fact that this whole thing takes out Luke Cage from the entire episode. So to me, it was immensely believable. Then I kind of had this. I had an initial suspicion that after that being done, he was going to get up and go straight into the fight against Kilgrave. And I think for me personally, and that is all it is, I would have been going, okay, well, I don't believe that. Yeah. That wouldn't happen. Because, yeah. like, I'm not saying I am Luke Cage or anything like that. But you did do the 30 Day Shred. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still on it. I'm still trying to do 30 days worth of shredding. Yeah, what are we, um, November? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, there's three levels. Yes. And now I'm on Hour of Power, so I really am sort of not saying that I am Luke Cage, but I'm working to his mantra uh, of, of, Sweet Christmas. of getting less wobbly abs, <laughs> um, <laughs> I suppose. But So I kind of liked all of that, to be honest. I, yeah, I, yeah. It was immediately believable to me given my own experience of having that spinal fluid taken, you know, sampled. Not through your eyeball, luckily. Thankfully (laughs) not, but still. But I I like also that they set up the scene with uh, essentially uh, Luke going into a kind of a, it looked like a toxic shock almost. So he was shaking as uh, as Claire climbed on top of him to, to do this injection into his eye. So essentially the feeling that you're left with is, before she does it is that his head's moving his whole body's moving while she's doing this and and um and Jessica Jones has to hold him down so that he doesn't move i still thought his head was going to move at some point when that needle was going absolutely. in absolutely i love the fact that the whole needle through an eyeball was so traumatic not only for the audience but for Jessica that she mm-hmm. has to go and get a drink after it's done and it's absolutely. like you know Claire um Temples they're going 
you're, you're getting what you know and so don't you know, throw up on them as well yeah exactly <laughs> it's just um i love that because i think yeah anyone would need a, a bit of a stiff drink after after that definitely yeah yeah, yeah. i'll connect to my first point in my first point is obviously about claire temple because it's it's so uh, it's such a wonderful introduction of the character into the show uh, i suppose what really struck me while watching it is how well she fit into the show she seems to just inhabit the Hell's Kitchen world so well, and I can see why she's being tapped on to do all the other shows, really. Um, she's a really good character, and I love the actress Rosario Dawson, right back from when I saw her on, in the movie Kids. I think that was her first film when she was about 16. So uh, I've always loved the actress, and I love I loved her part that she had to play in this. A couple of great lines and great interplay between herself and Jessica. Um, the whole idea that, that she feels she knows Jessica very quickly because she knows the type of woman that Jessica would be. Um, the, the fact that she's dealt with people of powers before, and she references essentially going... Uh, can we take him back to your place to Jessica? And, he, and she goes, my place is trashed. And she goes, well, you're not taking him back to my place. I've been there, done that and lost my lease, uh, which is a nice little reference to, uh, to what happened in her apartment in Daredevil. Really cool. Uh, but yeah, Claire Temple is a fantastic character. Really looking forward to seeing more of her coming up to, to Daredevil and coming up to the next uh, Luke Cage show. Definitely. And it, it links into one of my points as well, because I had Claire Temple down as well. And as a, a slight, slight aside from what you guys have said, I liked her interaction with Malcolm mm, um, yeah. in this, definitely. I think, Chris, you mentioned that kind of briefly. Um, and I love, like, sort of the opening where Malcolm's asking, are you a special nurse? You know, because obviously he sees Luke Cage on the bed, still knocked out. And she goes, I'm not special, but I keep running into specials. Yeah. You know, and I like that idea that maybe she's this common thread that's going to work its way through all of the Netflix, other than the main protagonists, that, the you know, this sort of everyday person in, in a, you know, nine to five or a or a five to nine job depending mm-hmm. on when when she's uh, in the hospital but um i also like the conversation that her and malcolm had about this idea of being well are we the sidekicks and um, you know and malcolm kind of says well you know they need that separation but she kind of comes back and says well no they need the connection with normality and i, I like that conversation that the the two of them had really Absolutely. um i thought it was really nicely done um, yeah. and it, that was that was really good to see yeah definitely yeah. and claire's response of i am no one's sidekick <laughs> is, is exactly. really true yeah. you know she's she is absolutely her own woman even throughout daredevil uh, he tried to kind of pull her in as being his nurse taking care of his wounds but yeah, okay, she may have come to his aid a couple of times, but uh, but she definitely wasn't going to be there at his beck and call uh, like Alfred in the Batcave. Uh, you know, that wasn't going to be her job, you know, uh, which I liked. Yeah, and I, I'm actually going to echo John's point in that I really could see her being this thread now mm-hmm. between the four, well, five series, potentially before Defenders, because she... I, I think it would be hard to have a Luke Cage go to the very normal, normal, because there's no one with powers yet in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's automatically bringing someone who, in theory, could just walk up to Bullseye and be fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, except for the eye. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Close your eyes, Luke. Close <laughs> just walk eyes. up and, like, kind of windmill your arms. Um, I, I thought this was actually quite clever, and it was only after you actually said it there that I went, yeah, no, she could be this connecting force. Yeah. She could be the Coulson. Yeah. That is the thing. Yeah. She is the Coulson who's going to bring them together. She now knows, potentially at the end of it, she'll know all four of them. Absolutely. And she can be the one, hold on, something happens to her friend, 
which is slightly weird because we don't know what the story is, blah, blah, blah. and she goes, I know four special people Absolutely. with gifted, quote unquote, gifted friends who can bring them in and set up the defenders. Yeah, I like and, and she even called it out in this episode when obviously the realisation comes that Luke's not going to be able to help Jessica out here. She calls out that I have a friend like you and Luke. I can reach out to him and see if he'll want to help you. Um, she says that to Jessica and Jessica benches Daredevil, which I really like. I like her kind of idea that she goes, well, no, because he could be mind controlled and I could be bringing somebody else into this world that I don't want to until I've achieved my goal or achieved my task. But it's a nice setup. Yeah. In future, she knows, well, actually, maybe I could call that girl to help me out, Claire Temple, and she can get in contact with this other special guy, uh, Daredevil. So. Or even the reverse of that, that she's the one that doesn't want to form, you know, the Beatles of, uh, or the Rolling Stones, I should say, of the superhero world, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that she's the one that maybe has the doubts of, of relying on other people because, I mean, she has been such an independent force. And, and maybe then, obviously, Luke Cage is the start of that trusting other people, but she's been such a loner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, like, Daredevil had Foggy and so on. Danny's got um, Hogarth or Misty Knight. Who knows? We might see Misty Knight. Um, and obviously, Luke Cage and Jessica have, them, have themselves. But I like the fact that, um, you know, she is this loner, Jessica, and, and maybe that she will be the one that pushes against um, even the idea of forming uh, the Defenders, yeah. you know? But I think, uh, Chris, what's your second point? Um, I'm going to bring up, the, and it's more of a no-slash-point. Okay. Um, and I also, congratulations to uh, Dirk. After we got back else. and forth for a whole <laughs> season, and I was really questioning... What the hell is this about? Are they really just going to leave it like that? And we had some wild speculation. The fetus. Mm-hmm. The fetus returned. <laughs> Not exactly. No, no, yeah, that sounds creepy and scary. I don't think we should say It's that. a horror film. <laughs> um, the, the fetus returned and it turned out it was actually, going, it was a large plot point. Yeah. And you uh-huh. were right. They, they, the stem cells were basically yanked from the, the fetus to Enhance Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. And I think Jessica calls it out uh, when she's on the phone to Jerry going, Oh, uh, Hope's, there's a package here with Hope's name on it um, and yours. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it came out of Hammond Labs, which means, by the way, Kilgrave went to Hammond Labs. Yes. And we missed that completely because they should have shown that. I would have paid to see that, but obviously we're going to get in a different series. Uh-huh. But no, it was great. It was, And you called it right at the end of right. the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, just I, I, just because I noticed the stem cell element of what uh, of what the experimentation that his father was doing in the last episode. Yeah, just uh, I, I kind of had a feeling that there was something coming back from there. Yeah. yeah, and it's great. You're right. You're right because I remember the complaint at the time when uh, when Hope had the abortion and then Hogarth was taking the baby essentially and then said nothing happened from it. I knew that was coming back, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was just, well, it was actually it was a great way to reintroduce it because the only other way would to go to Hammond Labs, mm-hmm. which I was hoping. I was more that where we'd have like create speedball. Yeah. That but also maybe even the kind of um very uh, alien esque type lab where you'll have lots of cones and stuff in right. test tubes, large tanks and kind of gestures walking down and there's this hope clone kind of half mutated half purple right but anyway i just thought it was very good that they actually wrapped it up and mm-hmm. I, yeah i can't say more it was like they took something that i thought they completely forgot about um until you brought it up 
And that leads me on to my uh, next point, which is the use of all this viral tissue and the fetal matter um, that's injected then like an absolute massive um, dose of all of this injected by Albert into into Kilgrave. And we see, I'm absolutely convinced, I mean, you know, is it, isn't it? But for me, this is the birth of the purple man. You see the purple veins kind of creeping up up his neck as he's yeah. being overdosed with all of this um this this viral tissue and and matter um and the fetal matter and so on. Like it's really um really good and I, I love the sort of the lead up to it anyway. Uh, were he simply Kilgrave asks his father, you know, what will happen to me? You know, will I die or will I get stronger? And of course, Albert goes, I prefer that, like the the latter of those, that he dies, his own son dies because he's so obnoxiously horrible. Yeah, and uh, I like so I love this birth of him, and obviously we see the kind of um, consequences of that in the apartment afterwards with the two guys and for his poor father. Um, but we have the purple man here. We have Kilgrave turned into the purple man, and we see that you know as he strains, um, like to to exert his powers uh, down by the harbor uh, later on in the episode. Again, we see the the, the purple veins coming to the surface. I, that's really, I thought that was really classy. I loved the way they did it. Actually, what a brilliant MCUing of the purple man! Like, what a great idea to actually not have him purple skinned, but to have it that his veins are popping as he's exerting his power now. Really cool idea. Really cool. Yeah, and if things had worked out differently, I would have loved to see that the the veins, the more he used that heightened power, the more purple hue he would have gotten. Imagine, like, so it's just more veins come to the surface, Mm. so he gets that purple tinge, and the more he goes on he then could literally become the Purple Man. Yeah, yeah, but I I really like the idea because, you know, obviously coming into the series, we had no idea what he was going to look like. I remember people just taking photographs of David Tennant and putting a purple purple wash over his face, essentially, in Photoshop. Uh, I like this idea that they waited a full 13 episodes and now he's fully powered up and is making that shout of stop at the end of the episode, and that's what pumps those purple veins in his, in his, uh, in his face. Absolutely. Really well done. Really well done. Okay, Derek. So can you bring us on to your next point? Uh, my next point is Jessica and Luke. Um, they finally get that tender moment while Luke is completely unconscious. <laughs> 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 really the sweet. ultimate romantic moment. Absolutely. While someone is unconscious. Well, she unconscious. can do anything. <laughs> no, but I, I loved it. I really liked the scene where she snuggles up beside him, essentially, in his arms just before she goes into battle and really does feel like the warrior going off into battle, saying her final goodbye. Um, lovely little touching scenes and great line delivery, really, from uh, from Christian Ritter in this part. I loved her throughout this series, really, but this scene is really, I don't know, it's difficult, but it embodies all of her character for me. She's saying things like, I picture just doing normal things in the future, things like going bowling, going for that drink, proper dates, um, but you're the only person I could picture that future with. Um, And then she says, and you're also the only person I've ever shot in the head with a gun. (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, I had to rewind it because I I thought I'd misheard it. I thought thought there was another tender thing coming from Jessica's mouth, but a perfect Jessica Jones moment, really, for me. Um, And a great great scene for her as a character. Really, really enjoyed it. John, do you want to give us your next point? Yes. um, You really are an anal crumpet. Um, I thought that is (laughs) the classic line of... (laughs) The classic line... 
by Kilgrave to Jessica. I loved um, the delivery by David Tennant of that line. Um, uh-huh. Like I really did chuckle away to myself uh, when when he delivered that. And I, I say it in the sense that just how he really now sees. Uh, Jessica as someone he really regrets meeting. Absolutely. Um, they, you know, and I think they both start agreeing with one another, which is like the really crazy situation. Like Jessica says, don't forget hatred. Yeah. You know, I, the, there's hatred between the two of us as well. Kilgrave now is, I, I'll really enjoy watching you die. It, it is, um, that moment where he really has had enough. Or so you think, because, at right at the end, he obviously still has a glimmer of hope that something might be there between him and, and Jessica, mm-hmm. uh, which ultimately leads to his downfall. But like, I love this moment where they're on the phone at the hospital. They're having this conversation and Jessica all the while is trying to find out where he is. But I think it also leads me to the, the other part of this point, which is, you know, crowd control. Oh, wow. Like we see yeah. just what his, uh, his father's injections uh, are doing to him um, that he is able now to control the entire hospital mm-hmm. um, I thought that was just really really good as well just the fact um, you know as it comes over the tannoy Jessica's in a, an old lady's uh, room and the old lady starts to get out of her bed and she goes don't don't you'll do your hip in all uh-huh. this kind of stuff really really good and then you know she has to make her way out of this hospital with everyone seeking um with everyone looking for her and trying to track her down to like kill her, basically yeah. because of his instructions. So uh, that was a really, really good um, part. And yeah. again, as I say, best line, um, best line of the series from from Tenant. Well, <laughs> that's that's a lot. That's saying a lot. Uh, this scene definitely felt like something out of The Walking Dead for me. This felt like we suddenly had a horde of zombies going after Jessica Jones. She was trying to get away from them. I felt like she's. She's suddenly the Rick Grimes of this universe, essentially, for for an episode. Can use a hand? Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, really, a really good scene. Yeah, good call, there, John. Definitely, uh, Chris. What's your next point? Um, I'm going to discuss the, the the thing that we kind of pussyfooted around a bit. Did we? We did. Death? His well, no. <laughs> going a step further than that, the confrontation. Yes, yeah, at the end. Yeah, that it was just so. Good. Just, it was terrific. It was from the very moment you see the music starts blaring and you see Jessica walk into the building, hood up, just continue walking, and there's Kilgrave shouting at her and music goes down when he's talking and then he's blaring again. And just and then the real it's just the comic element there with it's Patsy absolutely and it was done in the same style as the TV show. Oh, for God's sake, it's Patsy! Yeah. I was just like, that's brilliant. Um, and then the confrontation that actually followed that the the cops mm-hmm. shooting and the you see Patsy run and jump just to the side. I didn't understand fully the headphone part until they got knocked off because it completely went over my head again. Really, it's like. <laughs> Oh, keeping my head down. Oh, Blocking okay. a Kilgrave yeah. and can't see him talking yeah. Yeah, as well. Yeah, And I thought that was really, really good. Yeah. Um, and then it was just that part of Jessica doing the oh so failed attempt of flying. Yes. And she, yeah, I know. 
I know she. I this would have been the moment where she just soars and keeps soaring, but no, it's just like this running crouching tiger, hidden dragon style of flying, where it's like I'm gonna tiptoe on each of these little invisible things running in the air mm-hmm. and then falling splat on her face. But rolling. we finally got to see it, Chris. Are you happy? We, we, no, this is the first episode that we've got her, got to see her version of, and I'm using the inverted commas. Flying, uh, got, and it is. We got it glimpses. Is, it is just jumping. No, basically. but we got glimpses. We saw through cops' heads, or in between two cops' heads, we see her kind of doing that ballet jump, mm-hmm. and then we just see them going, "What the hell?" And then we see her fall. Yeah. So we don't even see that. Like you're expecting a Superman. Yes, type yeah. I was. I was expecting yeah. like the. The, the fist going forward and her diving like that and like flying over their heads mm-hmm. and then going like oh, crap. Jewel. Yes, yeah. exactly. She does have that kind of flight where she has the one leg up, two arms down. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, the front cover of Pulse comic, mm-hmm. the, the graphic novel, the collected graphic novel where she's in a jewel yeah. costume and she's flying. She's not flying. She's still jumping. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Okay. Well, it's to fly or not to fly. That is the. Crash, she's literally. falling in either case. Okay, listeners, um, yeah. if you think she was flying or walking on air or jumping uh, or stumbling around in the air, answers on a postcard to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. dot com. Scan it in and email it to us. <laughs> um. Okay, but then uh, yeah. So just wrapping up that part because we'll leave the second confrontation to uh, another discussion in a second so mm-hmm. assume that's one of your points yep yep Grand. but so that element in there as mm. a whole it just was brilliant mm-hmm. yeah it was, I love the reveal of, that it was Trish yeah. uh, in there because I didn't I, I, I kind of suspected that there was a plan here but it's such a perfect Jessica Jones costume that she has. Yeah. Now, we, this is a super costume, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Trish is able to put it on, cover herself up enough that you don't suspect her. And it's just, I think, just around when the all the cops are surrounding her, I just kind of realized, hang on, there would be no way out for Jessica here. So a really good turn, good twist. I loved, I absolutely adored just the music, the rock music versus the silence and, yeah. and him talking. I mean, that was just perfect for me. It was a really nice little, um, just way of, of the two different characters and, and emphasizing that, uh, was really, really good. Yeah. Um, that to me, it just stood out totally. Um, a nice little plug for Beats really by Dre as well. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> the the wireless yeah, ones, yeah. which are amazing. Yep. Trish is rich. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She's Patsy. Yeah. <laughs> so then Derek what's your next point I'm going to take a bit of a point from the final battle uh, kind, of, kind of break this up a good, a good idea yeah. there Chris um, my point is actually that something I wanted when I mentioned on episode 7 there was one scene I wanted from the comic books uh, of Kilgrave showing his power happened in this, ep- in this episode uh, and I did a little fist bump uh, when I saw it uh, it's essentially where Kilgrave He's in control of everybody on the docks. We find out that there are a, a, a booze cruise essentially that were on the that were on the Hudson, and he took control of them all. He's sending them setting them all out in front of Jessica. And if you've watched the the TV show, all twelve episodes so far, generally Kilgrave sends them to attack Jessica. This time he does what he does in the comic books, which got which is everybody kill each other, and it's a great moment. It's something that I. As I said, mentioned on the podcast about episode seven, wanted to see it enacted, and I love the idea because suddenly 
Jessica isn't battling an army of drones. Jessica's trying to stop people from killing each other. A great little moment. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, actually, the better part of that is the first you see her trying to stop them. Separate them. And then when he goes, I knew that's what you do. But like the typical, the cliche. See, I do say it quite well, actually. Yeah. All right. I didn't see it. I'm hearing it now. Um, <laughs> it's such a cliche, Chris. Yeah, it's a cliche that I'm a cliche. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is. It's the inception. Wow. Anyway, back to the point of that. When he does the Bond moment of like, aha, now my plan and it worked. And then she stops caring. Yeah. But you could see that that there's a change in Kristen Ritten's face when she just stops. Yeah. And it was just like, it's a woman, she's agonizing. And then she just goes blank face and is like target locked on like a missile. Yeah. And she's just pushing them away as she walks towards them. And it's a powerful, like, I am a powerful woman kind of like, Kind of like real superhero esque. Absolutely, but she's ignoring the the people around her who are all killing each other. At that point, she just suddenly decides to ignore them. Like, and if you just superimpose uh, uh, flames, that's the I'm walking away from the you know the burning building, the burning building with sunglasses on. I don't look at fire or explosions. It was cool. Another little connection here with Agent Carter as well, and Doctor Infchenko. That's one of the things that he does at the end of uh, of Agent Carter is to set off a bomb in a cinema, which makes everybody fight each other and beat each other up. So another little connection there with Infchenko's powers and uh, and Kilgrave's powers, which I thought was quite fun. Yeah, coming from the Strategic Scientific Reserve. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, my point is going to be connected to this final scene as well, and mm. that ultimately is the the ending of Kilgrave, the 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 double cross, the <clears throat> the trick of Jessica, the use of the safe word oh, that yeah. her and Trish have already uh, sort of uh, used, and I I love the fact that ultimately it's Kilgrave's temptation, his 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 curiosity for wanting everything and using his powers to get the things that he wants, whether it's an apartment, whether it's uh, money, art, his, his favourite seat in, in his favourite restaurant, having his favourite food with his favourite bottle of wine, that it all comes down to the fact that even though he suspects that Jessica may be tricking him, he's not sure that he has control, it's the temptation to have the thing he's always wanted, which is Jessica, that makes him believe her. Yeah. And in she goes for the kill. She finally seizes her moment to to pick him up. And what a great thing that it is just this great snap of the the neck. Oh, absolutely. Like it was just like I think you said it, Derek, it was like it was almost like fist bumps. It was a deserving end to a deserving um foe for Jessica, I think. Um yes, it was quite Toned. It's not sort of spaceships coming in from another portal and destroying New York or anything. This matches the tone for me of of, of the series. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was really good. And I, I loved as well how Kilgrave's trying to use Trish against it. I mean, you know, he's got so many different backup plans. And in the end, he runs out. Despite his increased power, he just runs out. And, and Jessica tricks him and and uses essentially his weakness which is that he feels he's entitled and wants everything and will always try and get it and he still wants jessica at the end of the day uh, despite what he's been saying and that leads to his neck getting snapped by jessica she does not hesitate anymore absolutely really good ending loved it 
I de- yeah, definitely, totally agree with you. The end of this character is, I don't know that I've seen a more satisfying death of a villain in a, in a show. And I, like, it's been done a couple of times before this type of way where it's just, you know, a bullet to the head and that, that's the end of your villain. Um, but after all the battles, all the opportunities to get out, all the things that they gave to Kilgrave that he could possibly have gotten away, there was no way this character could have continued. I think we probably spoke about it about three or four episodes ago that could we see Kilgrave come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe being that it's David Tennant? I was pretty sure he wasn't going to make it out of this series because they'd given him so many outs and so many ways of turning around and becoming the hero even in some episodes. Um, But yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastically put together scene. Yeah, I want to come in on this because Mm -hmm. as soon as we finished, I, of course, jumped on the internet. I was like, I've got to see what people said about this. I want to see what the overall... A lot of people actually complained. Really? I was like, oh... Bloody Man of Steel did this before. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they did that with Zod. No, 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 no. Man of Steel. But that's a different topic altogether. Uh-huh. This, this was right, as you said. They, they tried, they tried everything, and they led. But the writers of this show did it in a way that they brought this to the most satisfying conclusion they could have, because there was no redemption. For Kilgrave. Yeah. Like, they tried, they, they teased you with redemption. They teased you with him getting away. They teased you with him being locked up. But everything failed. This was the only way. Yeah. And Jessica had the ability to, she could have torn him in half. Yeah. She could have, she could have thrown a large beam at him. Absolutely. She could have like, pulled his head off, not yeah. just slapped his neck. Well... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't like to see that. <laughs> Spine comes. <laughs> it's like you've seen it. We've seen that in more fatality <laughs> fight. <laughs> but that was the bit I thought was just it was it, it was a satisfying end. Mm-hmm. It was the culmination of twelve episodes of an arc of a story that where it tried to it showed you oh there's a diversion this way oh no 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 you can't go that yeah. it's actually Kilgrave's pulls you back into the main like there was no other way yeah. the snap I thought was just the only way he could have died Yeah. like I said if she pulled his head off or pulled him apart or threw something at him it wasn't personal enough mm-hmm. that and then when he saw her she looked at it she looked at him when his neck was Three quarters years yeah. away. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so this is her closure. Mm-hmm. This is her seeing her capture, her um, tormentor, tormentor, rapist. rapist. Yeah. Psychologically, we don't know whether it was physically. It just this was her getting the closure she needed. Absolutely. Feeling that she has now saved the city. Mm-hmm. And it harks back to her very end monologue then perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one of the other things about it, I suppose, not only is it personal, she's doing it by hand. It doesn't make her look vicious in any way. Uh, the fact that she kills Kilgrave, it doesn't feel like they've, they've been, they've set up a lot of justification throughout the series as to the fact that she does have to kill him. Um, they've gone through all those, all those pieces. If she'd torn him apart, as she's probably able to do, uh, it would have felt like she was doing something out of revenge again or, uh, out of being vicious, she's essentially just trying to put an end to his reign on the city of New York or the area of Hell's Kitchen that he's been going around for for all these many months. Essentially, um, she's putting an end to it, and just it's done, and that's and it's, it's a full stop. 
rather than a rather than something that's going to kick off. This isn't going to lead into what happens in season two or anything. If there is a season two, it's not going to form a huge part of Jessica's character. The fact that she killed Kilgrave, it's very easily explained by Hogarth in the interrogation room. It gets Jessica off very quickly. I don't think we'll ever hear really about Kilgrave again, even if there is a Jessica Jones season two. I don't think we'll have any connection really to to, to Kilgrave. I think it's set her up to be able to just go on with the rest of her life, essentially, which I like. I like that as a as a full stop to the story of Kilgrave. Yeah, and this draws me to one of my other points, um, which is um, that I didn't expect to see Hogarth uh, again in the series Mm. uh, after A Thousand Cuts. I thought that was kind of, you know, her end and we would see her maybe in in a season two of Jessica Jones if that happens. I was really pleased to see Jerry Hogarth here and that there was... Um, the light of of redemption was shone on her by Jessica that she could do something good, which ultimately we see her then defending Jessica at the end, saying, "Well, this was suicide by Kilgrave. He yeah. told her to do it." Um, but I I love the 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 phone call that they had uh, with her that you know she says you're still a sack of shit in the dark suit, um, Hogarth. This is you know Jessica. But doing something good helps with the self-loathing because, I mean, we do see here actually now at the moment, Hogarth is loathing herself. Um, You know, I've bled, I've lost everything, my partners are forcing me out, Pam doesn't want to see me ever again and is up for murder uh, charges um, of Wendy. And it's like she is at a serious low point and this is... She's gone solo. This is now her turning point, um, you know. And I I love how Jessica says, you know, don't let the partners force you out. Because there's this guy, one of the the gay guys at his apartment, Justin, um, and he's going to get charged for murder and you need to be able to help him out. And I, I like the fact that that point of redemption was at least addressed here for Hogarth. Absolutely. Um, in this episode and I thought it was a really neatly it was really nicely done um, and I really can't wait to see her again uh, yeah. crop up in probably Iron Fist yeah yeah. I I, I don't think they'll bring her into Luke Cage there's no need probably at this point so mm-hmm. I'd say you'll you'll get the Iron Fist connection yeah yeah absolutely and I like that they answered one of our questions from uh, from a couple episodes will Hogarth ever be um, ever be redeemed essentially or is she destined to be the bad guy uh, effectively what they're saying here is yeah possibly she's destined to be a bad guy but on the side of that she'll also defend the people that Jessica needs defending because that'll help to cl- keep her soul clean essentially or keep her keep her on the right side of of being a bad person nice little grey touch to the character uh, actually the grey is what I think is the point because you remember what Claire says to uh, Jessica. Basically, it's along the lines of he's not doing the right thing. He's doing what he thinks is right. Yeah. So these are not the black and white comic superheroes. The the Captain America patriotic, always on the side of uh, kind of of the USA in though, the comics. Yeah. In the comic, yeah. not in the Russo film, obviously. The, these characters are all very much, yeah, as you said, grey. But I think it's them. They're anti here. Anti-heroes, mm. if you want to call it that. These guys, they're doing bad things for what they consider is good. Jessica kills. Daredevil kills a lot. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, a lot more. Like, he beats the crap out of people. Yeah. But he thinks he's in the right. 
So it's interesting you say it like that as well, because that's what Wilson Fisk said about himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. The, but the, he's a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. So Hogarth is the bad guy in doing bad things, but for good reasons. Yeah. So she is not the, the Wilson Fisk who's doing bad things for what he thinks are good reasons. He's doing, Hogarth is the Jessica Jones of Daredevil. So she'll be doing bad things, lying in front of judges, corrupted, to get the good people off. That's her redemption. Yeah. So they'll make her that really great, great yeah. character. Yeah. Kind of leads me a little bit into my into my last point, um, basically about Kilgrave. We talked about him a lot. This obviously is the final episode we're going to see of David Tennant's character. I think we talked a little bit about the fact that um, he wasn't really a character you could empathize with in the past, in other episodes. I think in this episode, despite of how, I don't know, how brutal he is in this episode, there's a couple of points of empathy in here. Um, his father calling out that he wants him dead um, was one point, and he agrees with him. He goes, uh, either, it, essentially, it's a 40% chance this will, this will help you, it's a 60% chance it will kill you, and Kilgrave says, I'll take that chance, because maybe I'm hoping that I'm going to die as well. Um, then he starts talking to himself about what Jessica's done to him, and whether he just wants to to give it all up and forget all about it. She's she's ruined his life. Maybe he does just want to die. Um, I did feel a bit of empathy with, with Kilgrave for the first time in 13 episodes. I uh, wasn't expecting that, uh, to see that bit of empathy for the character. He does seem like he has had a huge amount of trouble in his life, not caused by his parents abusing him when he was a kid in in his description of what's happening. It's because of what these powers are doing to him and, what they're, and how they're changing him as a person. He can't see what are the people's real feelings are around him at all. He doesn't seem to be able to see that. He doesn't seem to have any empathy with them as a character at all. But he also is still look, still a man looking for love and thinks he's found the right woman for him, even in, in, with overwhelming odds against it and with overwhelming evidence to the contrary, he still believes that Jessica is going to fall from at some stage. He even says to her, I don't, I don't care how many years it's going to be, but you will feel the same way as I do about you. He's genuinely saying that this is his, this is his true feelings. He's not trying to abuse his power with her. He feels that she's eventually going to fall for him. It, I don't know how it, it seems like this episode was written slightly differently to, to give me a bit more empathy with him as a character. Perhaps maybe that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling. Um, but definitely, David Tennant is going to stand out in my head for years after playing this role. Um, I think he's done an amazing job throughout the series so far. And I think just having that little bit of empathy with him before he's finally killed in the right way um, worked really well for me. For me, I think I had lost that empathetic edge mm-hmm. at the by that point of the dad's hand in the blender. I think that, that was almost like the nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. It's the sadistic streak in him was so big. I get those points. For me, they kind of were like, okay, I get you. I, I understood what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. but I lost it. And by the end, I was cheering his death. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, yeah. it certainly, certainly was. No, I just but- felt a little bit more empathy with the character. I think he was just expanded a little bit more in this final episode. Don't get me wrong. When I saw his father lying on the floor with both arms off while someone was trying to feed his his arms into the, uh, into the garbage disposal unit, um, yeah, no empathy for Kilgrave there. Yeah. But when he's speaking about himself in the first person as to how he thinks about his life made me feel a little bit more empty. Yeah, I, I think that's also David Tennant's... That's David Tennant. He's still, the doc- he's he's still, still one of my doctors. Yeah, yeah. I think people... You, you want to like him as an actor mm-hmm. and he brings this sadistic, cruel, crazy character to a point where you're like, 
oh, maybe he's doing, maybe it's, maybe it's not all his fault. Yeah. A little bit of empathy, I was <laughs> A <stressed>. smidge. <laughs> I think most of the empathy is there at, earlier on in the season. I think at this stage, um, it's difficult to empathise with him, to be honest. Um, I would say, I think given the fact that he's asked uh, one of the apartment guys to inject a, a drain unblocker into his veins, yeah. and his father is essentially being hacked up and removed from the face of the earth... Um, I mean, he is basically realised he can't beat Jessica now, and yeah. he's lost his powers on her. Again, it's a selfish thing. It's all about him. And yes, I'm not saying that she's brought great happiness to him or anything like that. I agree with what he's saying, but I, it doesn't make me want to empathise with him at this stage. It did back in the day when I saw a kid being uh, experimented on. There was an element... Yeah. And then he revealed his really true uh, side to himself, and I think... We still have that here. Yeah. Almost like his true colour. Yes. Yeah. On that note, John, do you want to give us your final point? My final point was um, just, yeah, the bodies in the apartment. Oh, the abject um, brutality. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, and I suppose in a sense I've actually really just covered them. It was, here is a pretty horrendous person who is um, has killed one person with a detergent, a drain unblocker. Um, there's another one who's forcing the arm of his father down the garbage disposal. There is then, you know, his father lying bleeding out um, there on, on the rug. So, like, this is just uh, brutal. And this is all after he's... He's had his injection yeah. uh, of that final lot of the, the virus uh, matter. Um, so, like, really just brutal uh, and a really bad end for Albert. Um, Absolutely. You know, whether his, his brief little pop-up and little conversation with Jessica to say exactly where he is. Uh, oh, that freaked me out, though. It freaked me out. And then later on, I wondered whether... Like, I know they have to know where to go, but did no. they need that? I, I don't yeah, know. She learned where he was going to be from the photograph. The only thing she learned from him when he popped up was don't look at him, don't hear, don't listen to him because he's stronger. So I don't think we'd ever heard that you don't look at uh, at Kilgrave because Kilgrave can also control uh, control by speaking towards you, I think, is the kind of little bit of information that he's given there. Um, but she she got the photograph on the on the counter. But that's what I mean. That was slightly convenient. I mean, I think maybe if he was still writhing around dying, I would have believed that more. But that's just me. I, I still thought the whole scene was great in it. It's tragedy yeah. uh, for all those people there. Um, so, you know, it, it was a bit strange. He popped up and says. I remember, don't look at him. <laughs> um, that that felt a bit strange to me, a bit off kilter. But like in the scheme of things, a nice little fine. jump scare for us. We haven't got well, many exactly. In this, I, I in this did season. Uh, yeah. jump quite high. All right, Chris, what's your final point? Um, I'm going to talk about the last scene of oh, Jessica yes. Jones, um, the nor influenced kind of Jessica monologue. Oh yes, where she's trying to fool herself into thinking that she's a hero. Because she's not a hero in her eyes. So she has to fool herself all the time. But then she's trying to convince herself and the phones 
the 13 message missed calls with voicemails and she's then ignoring the phone as it re as it continues to ring in she still has the internal monologue going and the music is just so kind of black and white era if it had if they had just a black and white wash mm-hmm. i would have been so happy in that point yeah um and then we get malcolm answering the phone with the iconic I have to say iconic because it was just it cemented the the end of the, the this is the end. Hello, Alias Investigations. How can we help you? Yep, yeah, beautiful. How can we help? Um, yeah. And there was like the, those thirteen calls where people were like, "Go, this is my my bro- my brother, my boyfriend is like in trouble." None of them were like, "There's aliens coming." It was yeah. like all kind of low down crimes that you wouldn't hire a PI for. Yeah, um, I was definitely listening out for uh, for something that might give us an indication of what's going to happen in Luke Cage or Daredevil or something like that. But none of them seemed to be huge. There was a guy whose um, whose brother was being uh, was being blackmailed. There yeah. was a, a woman whose boyfriend was being beaten up. There was a girl who was saying that she's getting beaten up by her boyfriend. There's a couple of a couple of those, but nothing. As you say, nothing huge like a like that a superhero would be sent for. Um, yeah. but I was still slightly shocked when she deleted the second uh, answer message about the the lady who like my my boyfriend started to turn violent. He's he's beating up on me, and there's like message deleted. Yeah. Like the first one did seem like you know oh I I'm I owe money and people are after me. Like I understood her deleting that. This seemed like really harsh, as though she really. I did just want to like forget it all and yeah. so on, and that's why yeah, with yeah. with Malcolm doing what he did, that was like really good because I think literally just before that I had said to to Derek when we were watching it, I just don't feel as though Malcolm has been uh, tidied up here properly, knowing kind of how it because he was tidying up yeah because he was tidying <laughs> up and. Um, and then you get that final scene and the pan back and like yeah. it's just yeah it's perfect it's like. There you go. He's now tied up. But that was the bit when she was deleting, and it was like, I don't want the praise in the monologue. I don't want the praise. I don't want the attention. I don't want to be the hero. I have to fool. I'm gonna. If you want it to, I have to fool myself. Yeah, yeah. And we finally get, as you say, Malcolm becoming the Malcolm from the comic books and actually working for Jessica. As I said, he's the annoying character. He's always coming to her, asking to see if he can work for her constantly. This is the one where we see. Malcolm answering the phone, which he does. I think once in the comic books, he, he answers the phone for Alias Investigation. So quite cool to have uh, to have that final Malcolm turning all the way back around into the comic book character that we saw at the beginning of, uh, of Alias. So quite cool. Yeah, and then it was just to, to really to end it, because this is the, the, it was the best ending. The pan down the corridor. We saw the door in, in and then them in the silhouette and door watched the... For those of you who are still listening, uh, Doorwatch, the latest update is unfortunately the glass of paint is still broken. Yes, never got uh, fixed. Never got fixed in the end. <laughs> that door is still probably ajar. Uh-huh. Um, but it was just a very poignant way of closing that chapter, but in a way that you're like, I want a second series. Yeah. I don't need a second series. Right. If you know what I mean. They close this arc very well. Mm-hmm. That if they do this next one, then I'm like, yes, okay. With Daredevil, they they close they didn't close enough of it. They left it open for the second series a bit. So in that him him becoming then Daredevil hundred yeah. percent and uh Mrs. Fisk escaping and then Wilson in bars. So like you you know he'll escape. That was like 
there was still too much left to do. Yeah. In this days, she has she has new investigations. Yeah, absolutely. They set her up as the hero for hire, yeah. which I liked definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just as well on the door. I know you'd mentioned it the last uh, uh, podcast, but again, I love the fact that in this, the door is being treated like a normal door, but it's a door that's not fit for purpose yeah. right? because. Where I think you said that uh, Jessica reaches in and closes it from the inside, even though she's walking out and and out of the building and down the corridor. And here we have Malcolm coming in as though the glass is is still there and Mm -hmm. using it like a normal door. And it's not. It's just it might as well not be there. So, again, it's just it's a nice little call, you know, that. Instead of New York being the fifth character here or the you know, that additional character, it's actually a door. Right. <laughs> so, Chris, do you have any notes in this episode? Yeah, I've got some parting notes. These are my last of Jessica. Um, very two simple ones, um, which I thought was just we need to kind of wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, Trish survives. Yes, she does. Uh, so this is a big thing. Trish has survived. She greeted Jessica at the end. Not too knocked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously... Slightly out, slightly psychologically harmed from that kissing of David Tennant. I'm she must have been hated that part of uh-huh. all over. I'm sure, she did. Uh, I'm sure she'll probably most likely continue on the path that we've seen her on. Mm. So, this is going after IGH. This is her continuing the Krav Maga. This is her, I think, becoming on the path to Hellcat. Right, yep. I'm 90% positive we'll see her in some form or another in Defenders, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. In costume as Hellcat? I don't know. Powered? I don't know. But she'll be there. She'll be there maybe as the 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 the, the human daredevil where she's there kicking ass. Right. That's it. She 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 continues on. She may be become slightly get amped up slightly. But I don't think they're going to want to amp her up to Hellcat level. Right. She's really suddenly acrobatic and has sharpened claws on her hands. Right. But I think what they'll do is probably give her some type of like batons or like Daredevil may train her, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But that's the big thing. She's still here. So she has good likelihood of turning up in a number, potentially Daredevil 2, mm-hmm. potentially Luke Cage, as you said, she's been introduced. And then, most definitely, the Defenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, and I was really intrigued by that by that final shot with her uh, in her apartment as her mother has left her all the files about IGH. What's it again, John? The uh, Inhuman growth hormone. We think the we, in, think. we think the inhuman growth hormone. But it's a play um, on mutant growth hormone that's mm-hmm. used in the alias... Uh, comics. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do like the idea that she could be going off investigating this. This could be what sets up Luke Cage the series potentially. She teams up with Luke Cage in his own series, perhaps. Um, kind of like that idea. But I love that idea that essentially IGH is where the red pills came from, possibly. So she could be going after them so that she can get the red pills to become superpowered, like she was when she fought Simpson in episode eleven. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and actually, um, as you say, you know. Will doesn't appear again. So he is with Kozlov somewhere at IGH, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he has certainly scoped to return as well in yeah. some form or another. Maybe in Daredevil 2. I really think we're going to see him in Daredevil 2, yeah. potentially 3. Can you imagine they'll do the Board Again series, the arc? Oh, that'd be interesting. Which yeah. Nuke and Daredevil's in, that would 
be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's he he's he's there, but he has the potential of being this chilling but slightly powered probably heavily powered because he went toe to toe with Jessica. Yeah, yeah. Like crazy and psycho. Yeah. So like for all we know, because we don't know much about season two of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Like he could be the uh the the common part. He's out there killing all the people. Punisher thinks it's Daredevil and Daredevil uh Punisher goes after Daredevil where it turns up actually no, we both have this common foe and that is Nuke. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Definitely. Nice now, Chris. John, do you have any notes? Yeah, I suppose my final one would be, I did like when Claire Temple said, why call yourself Kilgrave? Why not Snuff Carcass? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, we do have a final whiskey watch, but I have no idea what brand it was um, at all. Was, so. was it just a bottle of, uh, of Wild Fell? Uh, it may be, I but think. it was just a bottle, and yeah. you couldn't see the front label. So um, We do have a final whiskey watch there. Yeah, I think that's all, all the notes I've got. Derek, have you got any more notes? Uh, only one. And I just thought it's a nice little, just a little touch because you never really see it in TV shows. Considering it's one of the things that all of us do almost every single day of the week, probably twice a day for some of us. Jessica Chug plugs in her phone charger. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that yeah. on a TV show where it's not really a plot point. It's just that the char- that the phones run out of battery. Uh, Luke's phones run out of battery. Uh, and I thought it was just quite interesting that, that they, they made it play into a scene. I don't know why it struck me as, as really interesting because you hardly ever see it. You usually see, you know, in horror movies, it's, they've got no coverage, which very rarely happens in real life. Um, but you hardly ever see people charge their, charge their phones. I just thought it was a nice little touch to have something, another little realistic thing in the show. And I do have one more note, actually, sorry, um, that I love as Luke Cage is recovering and getting out of bed and so on, and he's talking with um, Claire Temple, and she goes to get him a glass of water, and he, she, she comes back, and he's gone, and it's like, she's just, okay, I expect that. Yeah. Like, she, there's no surprise there, or like, where the hell is he? Or mm-hmm. something. It's just like... Yeah, I knew that was going to happen, kind of thing. Uh, she just drinks the water instantly. Yeah, and starts like, drinking oh, the water. Whatever. Okay. No, gifted. Oh, Here's another one. Yeah. So now we know that Luke Cage is also Batman, in real, <laughs> surprisingly. In a, he gets out of a locked room through the window, manages to close it. And he's not, he's not a slight guy. He would have made noise running out of the room. Anyway. <laughs> <sighs> so, with that note, I must ask John, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? I did defend this episode of Jessica Jones very strongly. Um, I would definitely give this 4.5 anal crumpets out of five snuff carcasses. Um, I thought um, this was a really good ending to the show. I mean, uh, some people have may have said, like as you said, in in uh, online, maybe some of the reviews, that this was kind of a, a toned down, uh, a slow version. I, I I think anything but. I think it was it was the right tone for this series and for the people who are the protagonists and antagonists in it. It made perfect sense to me, and um, it really connected in nicely with the investigative sort of tone of of episode twelve and. His here we had the big showdown. You know, we had the, is she flying? Is she jumping in, in, in the harbour um, sort of ticket office? You have um, like a fantastic ending and, and trick um, 
between Trish, Jessica, and obviously Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of points being wound up here, which um, such as Hogarth, such as Malcolm, all really nicely and really, I think, launching it for either a season two of Jessica Jones or into the other Marvel Netflix um, shows. And uh, I, I thought this was really, really good. Um, and to see Claire Temple introduced and just slot into to this world, I think, as Derek said, so neatly, so effortlessly, it was really, really good. And um, to me, this had everything. It had brutality. It had some uh, really moments of redemption, uh, moments of, of, of just... Uh, sort of absolute pleasure and to see um, this all come together here in episode 13 was great so I I really strongly defend uh, this episode and Derek we must ask to close this out do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones do you know what I'm going to say something hopefully not hugely controversial to our listeners but this is the best final episode of any of the shows that we've covered on Defenders TV podcast. I love this. This the There was a little bit of disappointment at the end of Daredevil because we were waiting for the costume for the entire series of Daredevil and we got it in the last, you know, 15 minutes, really. Uh, the last fight sequence is when he comes out in his red costume and we, it, it didn't really pay off for me. Um, I loved Wilson Fisk as a character in that show. I loved his reveal at the end that he realised he was the villain. Um but I love Jessica Jones way more. I loved the Kilgrave character, as bad as he is, as horrible as he is, what they've done throughout the show with him has been fantastic. And the final showdown between the two of them here is is excellent, absolutely brilliantly put together. The reveal of what the one word that Jessica would not say to somebody else in the world is, I love you, is a very different tone for a Marvel TV show, something I certainly wasn't expect- expecting when the show started. And something I've come to really appreciate about her character throughout watching these 13 episodes. I know for some people it's, it's a slow show. I know for some people it's, it may not be as exciting as watching Daredevil, but I've enjoyed every one of these 13 weeks overall since, since we started in November, uh, November 20th. I've really enjoyed watching every single episode. And this episode is no exception. This is one of the best things I have seen. Uh, Marvel do and it really gives me hope because it kind of opened the world a bit more than Daredevil did as well it seems to open up the Marvel Netflix universe uh, it, particularly in this episode much more than Daredevil did so I think I can see it leading into many more things after the show and I'm delighted I'm hoping that they're going to keep this kind of writing talent on board these kind of directors on board and this kind of stamp on a show that's very different to things you watch on network television and very different to the kind of stuff we've covered before so I absolutely defend this episode Chris We'll give you the final word. Do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? Shock horror, I do. Yes. I do. And this would be one of my highest rated. If I have to rate it, I would have to give it, based on John's rating, 4.75 snuff carcasses out of five snuff carcasses. Wow, listeners, smile. Oh my goodness. Smile. Rejoice, listeners. Yeah, no, there is positivity yeah, in the house. There is. <laughs> I think it was the the, the wrap-up. It was seamlessly nearly wrapped up. Mm-hmm. We they, There was not, as far as I can see, one plot point or arc or mention that was forgotten. 
Like, just, oh, we'll, we'll get back to that in another series two, two years from now. No, no. It was all lovely wrapped up. And I'll kind of mirror... Yeah, uh, just quickly, and I know this is your wrap-up, but... There are there are things that have been left open to yes. come back to, and you're right. And I just want to make that make that point. There are things that aren't completely wrapped up here, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, that, that, yeah, no, no like the, the IGH that that was wrapped up in the sense that we see now the next part of that story is Patsy investigating it. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't just left that they if they hadn't have had that last section. Then it was like, yeah, but what about the what what what? Yeah, yeah. No, we see that now she is now investigating it on, and we know there is going to be other entries. And I think I, I want to marry what you said, Derek, that this show or these shows is nothing like that's on TV or cable or anything else out there. Who mm-hmm. it is the or I actually think it's even almost separated slightly from the MCU. In that this is the MCU Max, similar to the the Marvel Max series that they did the run on. Mm-hmm. This is the gritty, more realistic, down to earth uh, version of the MCU. This is what happens in a small area of Manhattan that is Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, like this shows the impact of specials. This, like the nurse in this last episode, saying we've got one of them. Uh, give me the the head of the hospital, the director or something, uh, and uh, I, I need to cons- I need a consult. Um, in terms of like this is what the the I love Agents of Shield. I love every MCU movie out there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go into the after effects of this. And this whole series, and I agree, I I actually nearly preferred. I did no. I think about it, I did prefer Jessica Jones to Daredevil. Right. Daredevil had the action and the speed, aside from the pacing towards the last couple, the last two episodes. It had that boom, 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 boom. It was great. And the, those fight scenes were amazing. This had more of the impact, the emotional, the, the, the fit, the, the psychological impact of what would happen in the real life if someone had the power to control other people. Yeah. That's what I liked. Like, there was, there's scenes in Agents of Shield where Holtz, stadium gets blown up because they're fighting on it yeah no mention yeah like nothing like and like there's kids people die a lot of cannon fodder in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. like there was this whole army base remember yeah the army base getting blown up and the, no, 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 <laughs> no no so this is why like it's more grounded I love my comic books I will forever love my comic books I love that fantasy element but this is bringing a I you could I could give this to my grandmother and say, I, I think you could. You mm-hmm. could give this to your grandmother. Okay, maybe not grandmother, mother. And I think they would enjoy it because it has those darker elements. If they like cop shows, if they like yeah. those darker, like The Wire and things like that, you can see that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The showrunner, the writers, the directors in this were picked beautifully. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that this series doesn't have its faults. It does. Yeah. It has some parts which are slightly slow. And I think this is a Netflix thing. We've talked about it before. It's the lengthening, the spacing, and that most people binge it and it's fine. So, but as, because we review, watch review, watch review, we see some of the pieces that other people may gloss over. Yeah. Like there are these troughs in the overall series. Yeah. Even in the best episodes. Yeah. Exactly. But it's good. This, series is a must watch 
Not if you want to get into MCU. Yes. This is yeah. a must-watch if you want to see a good drama, a good a psychological thriller, mm-hmm. with a sprinkling of heroic slash um, supernatural superhero heroics, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it feels like they don't ask you to accept a huge amount of the kind of things that you'd have to accept going into a superhero film yeah. as such. That's that's kind of the way I would see it. They play, they play it down enough that yeah. you'd be able to just walk into it. I've heard more people in my workplace talking about Jessica Jones than I ever did about Daredevil, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and I think it also is Netflix effect. Netflix mm-hmm. is becoming more popular with a lot of people. And they, they did do a lot about this. I think... Daredevil season two will hopefully bring a lot more into it as well. You're right. Daredevil season one, we were waiting for a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that point came at the end. Yeah. This, we weren't waiting for anything. It was almost a joke. We were waiting to see Jessica fly. And the joke was that she doesn't fly. Yeah. She jumps. That's yeah. that's kind of it. That's the one thing we were we thought we'd see. The big superpowered moment. We never really got the superpowered moment. What we got was a really well written character drama that happened to take place in definitely the Marvel Universe, but yeah, off to a corner of it. And that's what we got, and I loved it. Well, just to add a different perspective on this, I have to say I wasn't waiting for necessarily the Daredevil suit, so I wasn't hugely disappointed Mm. by that. It didn't fit my expectation of the suit, That's but at the end of the day, I like them both equally. I think they're very different. I think, um, and that's... I prefer Kilgrave, but I love Wilson Fisk. And I loved his, his his confidant and friend, Wesley. And for me, actually, Daredevil was more about Wilson Fisk, um, his his girlfriend mm-hmm. and, and Wesley, and, and, and this notion of whether he is actually bad, and then it being flipped where he realises, yeah, I am a bad guy, and mm-hmm. he embraces it. That, to me, was... Um, the best part of of Daredevil. Yeah, I hate to, I hate um, to retrospectively sound like I'm saying Daredevil wasn't yeah. very good. You can hear all of our thoughts on Daredevil, what we thought. And at I the think time that's why I, yeah. watching it. And that's it's why fantastic. I just wanted to give that extra perspective. But um, yeah. like, I, I I like them both. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. And I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to Daredevil season two. I think I wasn't expecting to like Jessica Jones this much, and I definitely wasn't expecting them to wrap it up so well in this final episode. I, I think I was kind of feeling that it was going to peter out, or in some sense, but they did a really good job of setting back up where Jessica is now a hero for hire. She's she's got a phone number out there that people can call her up and ask her to come and help with their problems. You know, that's not where that not where Jessica expected to be in the first episode. And I certainly didn't expect to love it this much. No. Um that all of her thoughts on Jessica Jones. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well we're done with Jessica Jones. We will obviously be returning with uh Agent Carter. Later on this week, it airs in uh, airs in the UK um, and Ireland on the 28th of January. Uh, we do have some final feedback on Jessica Jones that we'll, uh, we'll kick into. So our first piece of feedback on Jessica Jones comes from Brock Smith, who sent it to us on Monday the 23rd of November, three days after Jessica Jones first premiered. Uh, Brock says, hello everyone, I've been listening to your cast for just a few months now and I really enjoy it, love the content and the way it's presented. Thanks very much for that, Brock. And he says, now about Jessica Jones, I'm overall very impressed and loved the show even more than I thought I would. I had some doubts about Christian Ritter, but she alleviated the fears I had nearly instantly. Uh, he says, I can't remember which specific episode I was. I believe it was episode 11 since I binge watched the show all Saturday. 
Um, everything is sort of blending together. In the episode, just Jessica shoots Luke to snap him out of his mind control. Uh, now, I'm not a huge Marvel guy. My loyalties kind of lie with DC when it comes to the comics. I know that may be blasphemy on this podcast, but that's just how it is. Anyway, it's my understanding that bullets bounce off Luke Cage. Uh, I've read a few comics uh, where I'm pretty sure that happened specifically in Civil War. Uh, yet in this one, shotgun blasts seem to really do some damage. It seemed to hit him harder than it should have. I mean, earlier he walked out of an explosion and that was no problem. Uh, how do you explain it? Is it because of the effects of the mind control? It's the only thing I can come up with, but was just wondering what your thoughts are. Uh, comes from Brock, the Nerdosophical podcast host. Uh, John, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, definitely it was... A strange moment at the end of uh, episode 12 and I think we mentioned it and we we did kind of say well it must be kind of like the concussion or the impact trauma of, of the fact that it's a point blank uh, bullet to the chin maybe you know maybe it knocks his teeth together and uh, you know that's way too much for the man with the unbreakable skin but it's interesting that you kind of put it into context that you know at least from the comic book point of view that you know bullets seem to bounce off him and I've always understood that that's how it would happen um, given his unbreakable skin. It's not to say that he can't get damaged as such, um, but it's just that, yeah, I wasn't expecting that kind of reaction, and that's why it felt immediately strange um, to me uh, at the end of watching episode 12. So I'm definitely with you on that. I I, I think... um, the events that took place then in this final episode uh, were, you know, he is obviously going through some kind of trauma and it looks as though the ricochet, um, the concussion has kind of swelled his brain internally. It's kind of actually what you see is that unbreakable skin means that he's an unbreakable container, but within that container, there's a lot of soft gooey stuff, which if that gets bounced around inside that unbreakable chamber too much, um, it's going to cause problems because how would you get at it? So yeah, I thanks Brock for for that and thank you for the the kind words as well. It was something um, that I I felt as well. But I I think I'm I'm more at ease with it after the the final episode as well. Um, I'm I'm completely in agreement with John Brock. It was, it was at the end of episode twelve we were like huh, and at the end the end of episode thirteen we're like okay now it makes sense. Yeah. But no, again, thank you for your kind words. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, after going, na 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 na, please don't give me spoilers on the twenty third of November. Um, I'm uh, I'm glad to finally gotten around to being able to talk about your uh, your feedback. Thanks very much for sending that in to us, Brock. Uh, hopefully, you join us for our next series, Agent Carter. So our next piece of feedback comes from David Wang over on our Facebook group. Just look for Defenders TV podcast, and you can join the group as well. Um, David says, off the bat, number one, what do you think of the conclusion of Kilgrave with his parents? And number two, could his death have been handled a bit less messy? What do you think, Chris? I'll jump in on this one, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go number two, then one. So number two, we just talked about. I, I don't think it could have been handled in a less messier way. Mm-hmm. I think it was apt for the tone of the series. It was apt for the the of what had happened up to that point. There was no other option. Yeah. Now, like, it could have been handier, handled messier. Like, it could have, as we said, she could have ripped her head off and gone, fatality. Yeah. But, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, I'd love to hear his thoughts. He should, like, continue in, continue on if he thinks there's a particular way. But, no. In conclusion to the Kilgave and his parents, mm. um, yes, this was slightly rushed. The arc of the parents was to give him the extra power. Mm-hmm. But the mother died, what, within two episodes? 
Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, she dies, the, she's introduced, then she in dies. In fact, she's dead in the same episode, in episode nine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, when we first find her, and then, so, yes, yeah, so she dies. So, yeah, no, we didn't get to hear much more from her, but the element that the father, at the end of this episode, is like, as you said, I think you said it when we were wrapping up, the 60% to 40%. So, uh, Dad, what's the chances? Was well, 40% it will give you extra power, 60% it will kill you. What do you want? I want it to kill you. Yeah. Like, you can't say much more than this. Like, David, uh, Kilgrave, well, not David, sorry, Kevin. David Tennant. Uh, I know you listen to this, I'm, I'm sorry. I know, uh, Kevin slash Kilgrave, he, he deserved everything he got, and he then punished his father and his parents for what he believed had happened to him so i think there could have been a bit more told but then again we we don't know what's on the cutting room floor Mm. like there could be another scene but i think for what was needed in this uh we got enough yeah yeah i think i was probably you probably could have done a bit more with his mother um but that would have led into the fact that you might have had a bit more sympathy from Kilgrave to his mother as opposed to Kilgrave to his father. There seems to be that bit of he doesn't seem to have any sympathy at all with his father. He takes his mother out very quickly uh, when he kills her, as you saw, and he tried to take his father out very quickly, but he keeps his father around for quite a while and then does a really torturous act to destroy him in the end, taking off his arms and leaving him alive, essentially, to to bleed out. Pretty pretty horrible scene. Yeah, um, when I first read this from David, I actually thought this point too was... Um, could uh, his death, meaning his father's death, I thought, had ha- been handled a bit less messier. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. Um, but certainly, um, in terms of Kilgrave's death, I thought perfect. I thought it was absolutely pitch perfect. And um, if it is in relation to um, his his father, I think um, it was a pretty brutal, messy death that he had to endure. Yeah. Um, not only him, but the the guy who was being forced to hack him uh, saw him up into pieces to, you know, wipe him off the face of, of the earth. I suppose it's a question of taste if you want to tone that back a bit, definitely. Um, but then, yeah, with with his mum, I think it ended in in the right way. I think one of them had to die in that yeah. tank. Yeah. I have another piece of feedback from Jim Carrey. Uh, he says, Kilgrave was compelling. The drug addict neighbor was compelling. The fetish twins were oddly compelling. Compelling. Uh, Luke Cage, minus the jackrabbit sex scenes, was compelling. Mrs. Cage's final moments were compelling. The crippled bus driver and his mother were compelling. Daredevil's nurse friend, incredibly compelling. The little boy sent to the closet was compelling. Every hot dog, frog that Kilgrave controlled to jump or punch or tackle were compelling. Jessica's best friend and her paramour, fairly compelling. Jessica Jones... I'm with Rush Limbaugh on this one. Dara, depressing, angst-ridden, myopic, trying so hard to be edgy, sulky, sultry, freaky, stoic, New Yorky. He says, even when it would have been fitting and macabre and believable, the Purple Man not become a person of colour. If I'm ever bored enough to watch this series again, it won't take 13 episodes this time. Wow, okay. Very different feedback from uh, from Jim Carrey. We do always want to highlight the thoughts of our listeners on our podcast, obviously. Um... Very different thoughts to ourselves. I don't think I'd ever mentioned Rush Limbaugh anyway in a comment. But, um, but anyway, just simply for myself. But yeah, very different uh, opinion to ourselves. I don't think, don't think there's really anything I could respond to on that. Um, I've, I think I mentioned Jessica Jones is probably my favorite character so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think really well handled. 
Um, yeah, I think maybe maybe Jim watched it a bit too fast and didn't spend the time that the show needs to uh, to kind of bed in. Um, maybe he was expecting more of a or less of a dramatic show, more of an action show. That's that isn't just uh, Jessica Jones, but. Uh, that's the other side of the coin, really. I suppose it's, it's each to their own, and I mean, it would seem that, oddly, he found a lot of it compelling, so he did enjoy aspects to it, and whether um, you you believe or you um, attach on to the lead here in Jessica Jones, which I very much did, I suppose that's to each and everyone's uh, own taste. Um, I think, uh, you know, I certainly don't think um, she was myopic, um, but... Personally, um, I think, you know, Jessica Jones showed a different side to a female character that you would normally get on, on, on TV. Yeah. And, and maybe overall it, it, it provides a fairly depressing portrait, but I think there is hope there um, eventually. And, well, there was. Oh, there was, was unfortunately, yeah, until she killed herself. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, there is hope there. She has... Um, with a lot of bodies uh, behind her, ha- has um, hopefully uh, able to turn that corner and put things behind. So it, it ultimately provides hope. Um, but I think ultimately a lot of the stuff, as as Jim said, is compelling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for your feedback, Jim. If anybody else does want to send feedback to us, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with our thoughts, you can email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or you can go and join our Facebook group. Uh, our final piece of feedback on Jessica Jones, the series, comes from Shane Poole. He says, you mentioned on one of your episodes, The Matrix, about the different coloured pills. I think that was me thinking that the red, white and blue pills were, uh, were a reference to The Matrix, which they obviously weren't a reference to our friend Nuke. Um, he says... Doesn't the bank scene in the final episode remind you of the lobby shootout scene in the first Matrix film? So this is the the scene in the harbor when all the uh, all of Kilgrave's uh, police that are under his control are surrounding what we find out is Trish. Uh, I kind of see that, yeah. That there's a, a little bit of matching up there between uh, between the Matrix and uh, and that final scene in the harbor with all with all the cops surrounding. Uh, Trish. Yeah, I can definitely see what Shane uh, means here, like the fact that she, you know, she's climbs over them and jumps and flies through the air um, in a manner of speaking. Um, like, that was really good. And just, like, the bullets following her around and, and all of that. Uh, I thought it was a really uh, great little shootout scene, definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, and then I think we just have one final bit of feedback that helps to bridge uh, between um, Jessica and Agent Carter. And this comes in from Ronaldo. Um, so he goes, Hi all, was just wondering, with the revelation now that the Dark Force will be present, something that we talked about there at the start of the podcast, um, will be present in Agent Carter season two. Who would you like to see in the Marvel TV cinematic universe? I'll grab the low hanging fruit. Would love to see Cloak and Dagger. And how about the 90s Wonder Kid that was Dark Hawk? So, Chris, what would you like to see in the Marvel TV cinematic universe? Well, first of all, all three of those uh, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, I definitely see Cloak and Dagger kind of fitting in there. I think we chatted about it before in one of our previous podcasts. That's right, yeah. Uh, about with the whole drug connection. Um, on top of that, uh, Darkhawk, he was really good. Like, I remember there was a series I was reading back in the day. Um, he was heavily, heavily in it. Uh, I think it could have been the Young Avengers or the Runaways, uh, where they were stuck on an island. Right. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant character. Personally, of who I would like to see, um, 
I'd like to let them see. I don't know. Honestly, that like there's a whole moonline poten- potential. Um, <clears throat> that would mean gives you the Batman of the Marvel universe, yeah. but a bit more crazy. There's some. There's not that much. Um, kind of special effects needed. Uh, potentially his dead. Um, the voices in his head, hallucinations that he talks to. So yeah, no, I I think that's who. Yeah, if I was to say probably Moon Knight, but if I want a connection from the films, right? I want a Tony Stark to walk in and have a discussion and then walk out. I want a bit more connection from that or Coulson coming in. That's it. Right. Just for not even for a full episode. I'm talking like an intro. Remember like. Uh, Samuel, Samuel Jackson yeah. at the end of Iron Man going, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Mm-hmm. But even that he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. I mean, that yes. was fantastic. Um, that, to me, was a connection. That's why, um, you know, Ronaldo, thank you so much. And obviously, I've got my very obvious things I want to see on the um, <laughs> Marvel TV and Cinematic Universe, which I've uh, bored everyone in this room uh, half to death about. Obviously, Iron Fist, Doctor Strange. But I would love to see Doctor Strange make an appearance in the uh, the Defenders. I really, really hope, and I know this isn't necessarily a character, but I really hope that his um, Sanctorum is there in Greenwich Village, and I hope that that they use as a base. I hope that becomes a big character of the Defenders miniseries mm. when it's out, uh, just like the Alias Investigations, Pain of Glass and Door uh, in Jessica Jones. Um, but for me, I really would love to see Red Hood come in, um, a, a possessed Red Hood. Um, that would be very cool. I think um, that was in the New Avengers series, that yeah. kind of the fallout from Civil War, uh, where he's actually possessed by Dormammu, uh, and you have all of the, that happening, and you, he comes up against uh, uh, Stephen Strange. Uh, that was really cool, this, this idea of um, sort of a, a generally low-level villain turning into more than the sum of his parts. That was really cool. I think Cloak and Dagger as well and Dark Hawk would be, like, awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just shout out to the other podcast. I wouldn't mind uh, Squirrel Girl. That would be cool. <laughs> Absolutely. A uh, couple of bits of feedback on this. Rebecca Bredour also says Moon Knight, um, Cloak and Dagger, potentially. Claire Laffer says, I'd love to see Cloak and Dagger, Moon Knight, Colleen Wing, She-Hulk, Typhoid Mary, Bullseye, dot, 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 as in there's so many more. Uh, and Rebecca Bredour responded with, uh, if Colleen isn't in Iron Fist, I will mope. Uh, yeah, well, that's the other one, definitely. Yeah, yeah loads needs of to be there. Um, again, I think... Totally on Misty Knight being there, I think, with having Danny Rand and Iron Fist and Luke Cage, you've got to have Misty Knight in Definitely. there. Definitely. Uh, which is great news that she is. Um, but I think with that, thank you so much, Ronaldo, for that. And we'd certainly hope that you'll be joining us for Agent Carter Season 2. Uh, I'm not sure when it's out in Australia, but we hope you, you join us for our podcasts. And remember, whether it's Jessica Jones Season 1, whether it's Daredevil Season 1, whether it's Agent Carter Season 1, and the Season 2s of Agent Carter and Daredevil to come, plus Captain America's Civil War, plus Deadpool, of course, don't forget Deadpool, all, of course, leading to Doctor Strange in November 2016. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, leading to Doctor... Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll take that uh, And beyond. 
Um, you know, you can find us on defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Just search and subscribe and review us on iTunes or any other good podcast catcher. Just search uh, Defenders TV Podcast. Uh, we can't wait to bring you Agent Carter Season 2 in a couple of weeks' yeah. time. Um, and then we almost will be straight into um, Daredevil Season 2 in, in March. The Civil War almost straight after that. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be jam-packed. Our biggest um, podcasting year so far. Definitely. It really yeah. is. Plus, we are coming back on Gotham in Gotham TV podcast there. Gotham started again on Channel 5 in uh, the UK and Ireland there uh, on Monday the 10th of January. Um, so we're recording them. And we're also looking at another po- few podcasting projects that we uh, might delve into and, and, and also bring to you on TV podcast industries. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, no, and I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, I'm here to stay. God help you all. I'm really delighted to have you guys for these podcasts. Really been an exciting series of Jessica Jones and really looking forward to covering the next couple episodes. But most importantly, I want to say a huge thank you to the listeners. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. everybody's provided us feedback, reviews on iTunes are really important to us and really nice of you guys to do that. Really nice to interact with each other now. Uh, we've seen some friendships starting from uh, from our Facebook group and from Twitter. So really in, enjoying being able to bring that along with our listeners and making friends ourselves. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this series and join us for Agent Carter. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, just to leave you with something that Claire Temple says. Um, so she saves you and then you save her. And of course, then she saves you again. But both of you don't want saving. Thanks for listening. I'm up for a bottle of whiskey. Oh, me yeah. too. Whiskey and Coke. Bye. Hi, this is Derek, back with you quickly. Uh, one of the pleasures of editing this podcast is that I'm able to choose my favorite moment from our season coverage of Jessica Jones uh, on Defenders TV podcast. Uh, my choice comes from episode two, uh, my favorite moment, because it's when Chris breaks our entire format uh, by choosing for his first point all of the six elements that he feels happens in the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed this season's coverage of Jessica Jones. I'll leave you with these thoughts from Chris. Chris, do you want to kick us off with your first point? Um, yeah. Okay. So we were we're now two episodes in, just under two hours of kind of Jessica Jones themed content, mm-hmm. um, and I'm starting to see some of the patterns, if you want to call it, within the the writing. Um, like the, there's six main storyline or threads that we're going to be crossing over and kind of coming in. The and they seem to be kind of referring back to them enough now that I think they're going to be kind of key ones um, the first is we're going to have Jessica's relationship with Trish mm-hmm. um, so it's her best friend um, they, they they got bruises together um, there's obviously a bit more into their kind of backstory that we'll start learning I'm assuming um, we have the on again off again will they won't they with Luke uh-huh. um, we have Hope's whole story uh, in terms of her being accused, we have Mr. Kilgrave, mm-hmm. the lovely David Tennant. Yes. Um, how how could we not love that? Um, <laughs> he, told, he tells us to. <laughs> we love you, David. <laughs> uh, and then we have the twins, which are the, the, the comedic element. So we have the twin, the fraternal twins uh-huh. upstairs, uh, i.e. you perceptive asshole. Um <laughs> 
And uh, obviously we have her junkie uh, housemate or building mate or what would you call them? Neighbour? That's yeah, the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, Malcolm, yeah. And then you have the affair between uh, Jerry and um, her secretary. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. The, the the downfall of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So key to central, which is key to the central plot, which will be kind of Jessica going after Kilgrave. We've got five other kind of meaty storylines going on in the corner. Absolutely. Um, I think these kind of other ones are going to be key because it's interesting to see how Jess is going to interact with these plot lines. Absolutely. Because is she going to be the best friend that Trish wants her to be? Is she going to get herself involved with the the fall of Jerry's marriage? Uh, kind of, yeah. like we're assuming like that the, the, the she knows she's angry. Yeah, well, right. uh, we have obviously hope. Uh, is hope a new Jessica? Mm-hmm. In terms of we know that happened, Luke. Um, I'm just hoping that that gets further and further. It's going to be funny. <laughs> uh, and then the Kilgrave bit. Um, I, yeah. But I think the the one I'm most interested in is Trish. Yeah. Um, in yeah. terms of we've seen her fighting now. We've seen her bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is going on? Like, will I think, will she become Hellcat in this? Mm, will she become a temporary ally for the defenders in the, the mini movie that we're going to expect to see will she even turn up an iron fist mm. there's, there's a lot there but that's it just some of my and obviously the comedic element with the twins was brilliant in this episode absolutely uh, John do you have six <laughs> 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 I'll try that <laughs> no, no do it <laughs> sorry <laughs> you got it <laughs> 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 so John what do you think of my points or have you got a better point I don't know how to follow that with, with, with six points in one um, this is the case this is like awesome this is has never happened before even I only do when asked for one thing maybe three yeah. <laughs> this has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production for more information head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye bye.